Well, welcome back to Indie. Great to have you here with us again as we just dive a little bit deeper into some of the things that we just never get a chance to talk about. Today I want to talk about the secret of contentment. And today's message may be the most freeing thing for the rest of your life that you experience. I know understanding this has really transformed me. Now, just to start, I want to tell you a little story. When I was uh, a young man, I uh, had a good friend, and he lived really rurally. His name was Danny. And, uh, you know, he was really outdoors. He had a big farm and that kind of thing. And, well, his dad was a real character. His dad uh, was born in Czechoslovakia, and he escaped during the Second World War and made his way ultimately to Canada, where he grew up. But he, but he had kept his sort of very, you know, country, rural ways, and he had a very thick accent. Well, he used to... He used to look at us and the things that we did. Now, we loved to kind of be driving four-wheel drives and riding motorbikes and all of this stuff. We were always super busy. And every now and then, it, when you'd kind of give him enough attention to give you a bit of a lecture, he would say to, the, he would say to us, why do you do all of this? You know, why? He would say, why do you go all this a broom, 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 broom? Sorry, that's a little bit of Italian sounding. He's not Italian. He's Czechoslovakian. He, he would say to us, you guys, you're always so busy doing this, doing that, doing this, doing that. Why do you have all of these things, these broom brooms? All you need is just a little bit of grain, a little bit of milk, and you will have happiness. And, we, and of course, you know, teenagers and all of the different things that we're into, we're just like, you know, come on, old man, you don't know what you're talking about. And we just sort of brush them off. But it made me think, and a lot of people kind of think this, that if you just have a little bit of something, that's enough to make you happy. That's enough to make you feel content. But is it really? And, and in the world that we're living right now, is that the message that you live by? D are you on the one hand thinking, if I had all of this stuff, then I would be happy? Or do you have this mental thing that goes on that tells you, I really need to learn how to be happy with less? So which is it? Is it the less or the more? I want to tell you that it's actually neither. The Apostle Paul he talks to the Philippian church. Um, they were massive supporters of his ministry. In fact, the Philippian church provided for him so that he could travel to different cities to preach the gospel and establish other churches. He felt like that they were partners with him. And at one point in his letter to the people at, at Philippi, he expresses his gratitude for the constant help and support that he gets from them. But he also wants to kind of alleviate from them this sort of pressure that they're the ones that are making him sustained or they're the ones that were kind of keeping his head above water. While he really appreciates them, he wants to tell them that God has always been and always will be his source for contentment. And so he writes to them and he says, not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Now, in some translations of that, it says, I have learned the secret of being content. And so he says, I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. Like he says, like, I know what it's like to have absolutely nothing. I also, also know what it's like to have way too much. He says, in, in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. And here it is. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Now, typically, we take that last phrase, I can do all things through him who strengthens me, and to talk to 
our spirits, to talk to one another as a way of encouraging us to say that it's actually Christ that makes us able to do everything, like Christ that makes us able to face hardship, Christ that makes us able to face problems that we're seeing in the world, maybe, maybe sickness, or, or maybe it's a, uh, just being able to live the vision of life that God has given us. We know that Christ is the one that strengthens us, but the context of this verse is actually contentment. Christ is the one who strengthens me so that I am content. And he makes a, a very strong point. So it's actually not the abundance and it's not the lack. There's something else that he has learned to be content in. Now, I want you to ask yourself the question, what is it that you are sell, telling yourself? What is it that you think to yourself of the things that actually you believe are going to give you contentment? Is it like, okay, this job is just not fulfilling my need. I need a better job. If I only had that job, I'd be happy. Why do I have this crazy job? This job is no good for me. Is it, is it money? Oh, you know, I don't have enough money. If I had enough money, then I could buy this and go there and have this, and then I would be finally content. If I just had more money, then I would be content. Or is it relationships? You know, the, the, the people that are around me, they're just not exciting enough. They're just not interesting enough. Or, uh, if I was with friends with those people, or I could go with those people, or I had a, a relationship with them, or a sexual relationship with such, then I would have all of these good things. Or is it excitement? Like, my life is too boring. I, I see other people doing things. That looks so good. I see on Facebook, Instagram, uh, Snapchat. I see all of these things. If other people are experiencing, and if I just had those experiencing, I would have much more exciting life, and then I would be content. Or is it health? You know, like, uh, you know, I'm sick. I'm not well. I'm not able. I'm, I'm limited in these ways. If only I had these, this health or this success or even this kind of body that could do those sorts of things, then I would be content. Or is, it, or is it something else? And this is what I, I think is really interesting about people. We can even have this question mark about contentment. We just feel not content, and then we kind of feel like, what even is it? If, even if you sat down with a counselor and, and the person was trying to help you express, why don't you feel content? Sometimes we have this stuff that's just in our hearts where we're just kind of like, well, I, I don't know, I'm just not happy. And that lack of contentment is kind of everywhere. You know, years ago I came across, you know, just some studies of different religions and different things that, that the Buddhist approach to the desire for other things is actually... The Buddha taught that those things, the desire for other things, the desire to get contentment through something actually leads to suffering. Uh, so it kind of, uh, you know, you can very simply search it. There's, it's sort of the teaching is like this. In Buddhism, desire and ignorance lie at the root of suffering. By desire, Buddhists refer to craving pleasure, material goods, and immortality, all of which are wants that can never be satisfied. As a result, Desiring them can only bring suffering. So in Buddhist teaching then, these desires that we have are actually making us suffer. And so Buddhist teaching then is to try to subvert desire so that you actually crave nothing. Because since desire is so bad, we need to push it down and deny it so that you don't desire money or relationships or, or any kind of thing, which ultimately leads to kind of this pathological need to just not want anything, which makes it really difficult to live in the world. Not because everyone else is chasing stuff and a true Buddhist isn't, 
but because the Buddhist is always trying to fight this desire with no real success. I was looking at some other articles about this. I just, you know, Google, why can't people be content? And this one uh, uh, article in The Atlantic, um, a, a newspaper in America, they said that there are three things that once one's basic needs are satisfied that academic literature points to as ingredients for happiness. Now here they are, three things. Having meaningful social relationships, being good at whatever one spends one's days doing, and having a freedom to make life decisions independently. So if you just get, so basically the kind of the humanity, the studies, the people in the, you know, and the education and the research, they've kind of boiled down to three things. That if you had meaningful social relationships, you would be a lot happier. If you had, if you were good at whatever you are doing, you'd feel much more content. And also having the kind of autonomy and freedom to just be able to do what you want to do, you know, to be free and liberal. And so they're basically saying, if you, if you were to take the world's advice on the solution for your lack of contentedness, it's you've got to get better friends, you've got to get a job that more suits you, and you've got to get more autonomy, which might mean more money. So then you can do whatever you want. Now, is that really true? Well, as they go in in the article to say is, that the research into happiness has also yielded something a little less obvious. That is, being better educated, richer, and more accomplished doesn't do much to predict whether someone will be happy. In fact, it might mean that someone is less likely to be satisfied with life. Now, this is, I just think it's, it's so, like if you actually, you, you get them in the chair, the people who figured all of this stuff out and said, what is it going to take to be happier? Well, it's really simple. You just got to get better relationships, a more interesting job, and you got to have more freedom to do whatever you want. Those three things. And then you give people the opportunity to get those things, and does their contentment go up? Does their happiness go up? It actually goes down. The very thing people are saying is what's going to make them content when they arrive at those things, it makes them less content. But if you backtrack and said, well, we must have had the wrong things to start with, no, there's still the right things. There's just no contentment to go with them, which is so strange. So, what do the scriptures say? Well, I actually think that a lot of what we call contentment is actually just a dopamine hit. Your brain has got a chemical center in it that it it releases uh, excitement uh, chemicals called dopamines. And those dopamines are there responding. So if you think about something that you're really anticipating, you're really excited about, you really want or desire, what your brain does is it starts filling you with dopamine. And the dopamine drives that excitement level. Like, oh, I can't wait to see that new movie. Oh, I can't wait to meet that girl. Or I can't wait to drive this new car or I can't wait to have the new TV. And as long as you're anticipating the good thing, this dopamine is coming into your brain and it makes you feel happy. It makes, it's, it's a happy chemical. It makes you feel happy. And then once you get the thing, the dopamine cycle tapers off. You have a moment of satisfaction and then you feel the loss of dopamine because you're not excited about the next thing. So what I think is that we are, as human beings, too much 
looking towards the dopamine hit rather than contentment. Instead of really looking for what truly makes us feel like a complete and a whole and a happy person, we're looking for the things that we think make us feel happy, but they don't actually work. So, what is the lack of contentedness doing to your life? What decisions, what choices, what actions, what moods are the byproduct of your lack of contentedness? I think that the lack of contentedness just sucks the joy out of life and it makes you feel deeply unwell, unhappy. And it makes you make bad decisions about yourself and the people around you. Imagine how many people around you are affected by your lack of contentedness because you had to spend more money or you had to control things to have it your way or you had to do those things and everyone else ends up paying the price. In fact, if we were to change the question and say, what is the lack of contentedness doing to the world? Well, the lack of contentedness in the world is doing to the rest of the world enormous damage people aren't happy and so they impact those things on other people. We, we think we need to have more money, a better relationship, more experiences, which means other people get less and those people suffer more. So we are constantly at war. In fact, that's the way that James says it in James chapter 4. He says, what causes these quarrels and what causes the fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire you don't have so you murder. Now, is he saying, what, you're a bunch of murderers? No, he's saying, we take these actions to, to, to hurt the other or wound the other or destroy the other or stop the other because of our needs. He says, you covet, but you cannot obtain. So you fight and you quarrel. You don't have because you don't ask. And then when he talks about asking, he says, you're asking for entirely the wrong motivation. So James saying there's a deeper problem inside of people this drive to solve our own contentedness issue through human actions it actually just ends up in everyone being discontent because we're hurting each other. So, so are we to look for contentedness or not? Are we supposed to try to achieve it or are we supposed to try to live without it? Is the, is the Buddhist right? Deny it, deny it, deny it. Or is the, you know, the, the people who look for pleasure, are they right? Where Go after it. Follow your heart. Go for your dreams. Who's right? Well, I want to tell you that the chase for contentedness is the worthwhile pursuit, but not in the human way. So Ecclesiastes, these verses in Ecclesiastes changed my life. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, in the middle part of the book, after, the song, after Solomon, the writer, has basically shown the details of his experiment, much in the way that those other authors we read, they talked about their experience and their science. Well, he was running his own experience, experiment, and it was based on the fact that he had unlimited resources, unlimited power, unlimited time. He could basically see what would make him feel happy. Spent tons of money, relationships, building things, accomplishing things, you, you name it. Everything that was on that list, he tried it, he did it, and he had a chance. And he said it just didn't work. But what he did find was there was a missing ingredient. But he always says the search for joy is the worthwhile pursuit. And so he says several times in the book of Ecclesiastes, he says, Behold what I've seen to be good and fitting is to eat and drink 
and find enjoyment in all the toil with which one toils under the sun in the few days of his life that God has given him, for this is his lot. Now, it could, that might kind of, very, kind of sound very sad. Yeah, you eat, you drink, blah, 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 toil, 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 die. He's actually not saying that. He is saying this. You and I, we all live lives. We start, we finish. In between is a lot of eating and a lot of drinking and a lot of working to get the stuff that you got to have. You got to have the career. You got to have the job. You got to do all of this stuff. But what is missing in that journey? He says that if that journey is filled with joy, then you've got the best end of the deal. It's everybody has to live, but can you live with joy? Can you find joy in all of those mundane things? Can you find joy in all of those things? That's what he wants to help us with. Because he goes on and he says this, Everyone also to whom God has given wealth and possessions and the power to enjoy them and to accept his lot and rejoice in his toil, this is the gift of God. Now this is where Solomon deviates from everybody else. He's not saying it's in the not desiring and it's not in the chase for all the desires. He says the difference is, did God give you anything? Did you get something from God here in the middle so that you can both endure not having it and you can also see that the solution of the things isn't the ultimate solution. In fact, he kind of boils it down to this recipe. If you've got the money, the possessions, you've also got a good lot in life and you've got uh, meaningful work plus the power to enjoy them, that's the gift of God. It's actually God giving you the power to enjoy your life. That's the gift. And you see, people who live their lives thinking that those two things, the not or the have, those two things are going to somehow solve their contentment issues are both wrong. Because God has the power to give us the gift of joy no matter what we experience. God can transform everything. And if you live your life where you think that somehow you've got to find these solutions, you've got to find this happiness yourself, you are going to ultimately disappoint yourself because you can't give yourself the gift of contentment. And also, can I just say this, and I'm sorry I have to say this, but God can also withhold the gift of contentment from anybody who's trying to find it without his help. If you are searching and you're done, you're like, oh, if I had more money, if I had this and I had that, I just want you to know this. God can, because of his love for you, he can take joy, he can take your capacity for joy out of those things so that just when you thought they were going to fulfill your life finally, he just sucks it out and you don't find joy in it. And he would do that Because the greatest thing that he wants is for you to have a relationship with him daily to know that he is the source of joy and he wants to give you that gift. In fact, at the end of that, and this is one of my very favorite verses in the Bible, Ecclesiastes 5.20, he will not remember the days of his life because God keeps him occupied with joy in his heart. What a 
an incredible thing. You, he basically says this, imagine if you were having what should have been a miserable time, and as you were about to dwell on the misery of your life, God distracts you with happiness. Look, imagine if you could, we keep thinking that situations that we're in are the source of either our happiness or our sadness. Oh, I, I'm sick, therefore I feel, I feel sad, or I'm broke, therefore I should feel sad, or I have lots of money, therefore I'd be happy. We keep thinking it's all very situational, but imagine this, imagine if God simply can distract your heart into contentedness no matter what's going on in your life. You just got in the worst car accident and you broke your leg and you've lost a ton of money and you lost your job and just when you're about to feel miserable, God distracts you with joy. You're just like, oh, what an awesome day. I can't believe how much God loves me. This is awesome. And you just can't find sadness. That is the power of joy, is that it becomes irrelevant to the situation because God is the source of the joy. He's the giver of the gift, which is why Ephesians chapter, or Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, I can do all things who, through him who strengthens me, is in alignment with Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 19, everyone also to whom God has given wealth and possessions and the power to enjoy them. You see the two words, strengthen and power? Paul's saying, I've got a supernatural power in my heart that strengthens me so that everything else is no longer the thing that I'm dependent on for my happiness. I'm actually very, very strong of joy. Do you want to be strong of joy? Then stop looking at in weak for looking for it in weak things. If you want to be strong in joy, don't chase a career because you think it's going to make you happy. Chase God because he's the one that will make you happy. If you're looking for more money, I want to tell you, that pursuit is fruitless because God can simply remove the joy from it. In fact, he can make the entire journey a misery and full of difficulty for everybody. But if you chase God, you will find joy whether you have money or not. And God also gives wealth and he gives possessions, and he gives meaningful work, and he gives relationships. You see, God is not a withholder of good things, but he is the giver of every good and perfect gift. It comes from him. And so as we finish today, I want you to remember this. Contentment, contentment is not something you find by chasing. Contentment is a gift from God. And are you asking him for that gift? Because it will mean that you give up the chase for the other things. And not everybody is willing to let go of their control for their own contentment and just trust God. But are you? Well, that's a matter for you to pray about. God bless you, and we'll see you next time.